Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Colin. I'm Jace. Oh, cool. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's here, too. Um, We are going to be discussing the sound of drums today, if you couldn't tell already. (laughs) Yes, we see the master in full force for the first time in New Who. Well, this. I mean, after his, you know, opening. Exactly. After a quick debut, you know, at the end of last episode, of course. It was a regeneration episode, so, you know. Are we not going to discuss how, like, the doctor and the master were totally, like, flirting on the phone? Oh, like, the whole time. They've got some weird. They have some, like, Tom and Jerry energy, but, like, better. Okay. You know? (laughs) Yeah, a little cat and mouse thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. They're definitely chasing after each other in an adversarial kind of way, but there's a friendship and a kinship, shared pasts. Well, yeah, because, like, you know, the Master only showed up in the show when the Doctor was stuck on Earth, and he seemed to just show up in order to screw with the Doctor, because he thought it was really fun, and presumably wanted to entertain his old friend or something. And that's kind of been the relationship the whole yeah. time we've seen it. It's literally just Tom and Jerry. Like, they hate each other, but low-key, like, are they're, you okay? They're frenemies. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is that, I mean, they did grow up together, as stated in this episode, but in also in other episodes. And so they were they were actually really good friends. So even if, if the Doctor was not around, the Master has nobody to entertain himself with so if the doctor was gone if the master actually succeeded i think the master would be very uh bored yeah very bored very sad too in a sense because what what i don't get is that at what point did they stop being friends and kind of part ways because the doctor seemed to suggest it was when the master was eight years old and that just doesn't seem like enough time to make that big of an impression on you know beings that live for thousands of years well, don't forget, he said that the, the master, after looking into temporal schism, actually went insane, actually went mad. So it's possible that at even at the age of eight, we don't know how long that is for Time Lord age, but we do know that because that could be longer than a human eight years. Oh, I see. But also, um, the other part of it is that you've already formed a really close bond with someone that's your childhood friend. And then all of a sudden, they just turn on you. Or maybe it's more of a slow um, turn that the master goes through as they age. And they that, get more See, and more that distant. makes more sense. It's, yeah, that would make more sense because the, the drums just start getting really difficult for him to handle, basically, when he's a teenager. Yeah, because he says the drums keep getting louder and closer. Exactly. Yeah. So I think when, when he first starts out, it's not nearly as bad. But over time... The, the master obviously has gotten worse and worse and worse, just like the relationship with the doctor. And I feel like, you know, probably why it's a big impact on the doctor, too, is like those were his beginning, most formative years. I think even if you live for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, still the early ones make a huge impact on you proportionally, That's you know, to your... You know, lengthy existence. That's true. That's a good point. And I guess I, I should also, to, to counter myself, as you guys are doing, um, <laughs> just kind of take from Jump in the Future to the Twelfth Doctor, where he actually, you know, says the Master is the only person I've ever known who's remotely like me. Yes. And there, there is something to that. They are very, very similar characters with just, like, fundamental difference in morality. Well, and also, if you go back in time to the classic series, you know that the Master um, is someone who has done quite well as a Time Lord and and probably could 
not only be the doctor's equal, but may in some cases or some areas of his expertise be smarter than the doctor. Way of scandal. For sure. And he's <laughs> also always doing, you know, just like you did in this episode of teaming up with some sort of alien race who wants something and thinking he can, you know, pull the wool over their eyes at the end in some way or something. And, uh, you know, doing that to take over the Earth or destroy people or something along those lines. Although this time, he's taken a page out of the Doctor's book and pulled on a human companion. Yes, very reminiscent. He's been, there's a lot To be fair, though, the Master has almost become the Doctor in this episode in many ways. Um, eating jelly babies, in fact. There were nods to the past. Some of the lines that the yes. master said actually were references to exact quotes or situations. Like, from would the you like past. a jelly baby? Yes. He also said what, He also said the same thing that the master said in Legopolis um, when the doctor and the master are up on in the tower. In the, uh, oh, what what's that thing? It was a the tower. The radar, a radar yeah. tower. Um, they, um, the master's like talking to the earth, the whole entire earth saying people of the world kind of thing. And he said the exact same quote in this when he's going out on the airwaves. So it's kind of, there's definitely a nod to the past. And I think the master kind of embodies the doctor in many ways, just quite a bit, quite a bit more insane as pointed out by these poor people being gassed in the uh, cabinet. And he's teasing the doctor the whole time. Like, every time he goes up to make a public announcement, he, like, throws a jab out there to be like, I know you're there. Ha, look at this, look what I'm doing. Or just throws the whole police force against him, his friends, and their family. Yeah. I want to point out in this particular episode, the direction of it takes a very darker, deeper kind of turn. And the way the camera angles were all being used and utilized... It felt like this episode was a lot more grown up than a lot of the Doctor Who we've been getting in the last three seasons. Well, David Tennant certainly was much more serious where he's played a little goofier in in a lot of the other episodes. And I think that kind of helped with that atmosphere as well. Absolutely. And the Master actually kind of brings that out in him, I think. Which is funny because the Master actually was by far the goofiest character in this, but it was so sinister the way he did it. Yes. Oh my gosh, when when Martha turns like and, you know, forlornly crooks her head to the side looking at her family and the Master mimics it behind her. Oh, so creepy. (laughs) (laughs) He was very creepy in this whole thing. Matter of fact, the music doesn't hurt that either. Oh, the music, the Master's music with the drums. Yes, very chilling, very dissonant. I thought it was a pretty catchy pop tune when they uh, had all all the billions of alien creatures just pouring in. It's <laughs> just a huge concert. That's the ones. Oh, and that was cool when like the sky like opened up. I actually thought that was a pretty cool. Yeah, graphic. that was really cool. Um, when all of these like kind of, it reminded me of ants just swarming to their prey, but like. I suppose what was really cool effect uh, was their satellite shots zooming in and in and in on each of the people for each respective. He said like six billion, which is a reference to the population of Earth at that time. So maybe one drone for every human. Everyone gets one. I think that was the message he was trying to get across. At least his diplomacy story. I don't know why he needed to be honest at that time, but you know. Mm. It's in the master's nature to be, you know, honest and also deceptive at the same time. And having fun, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, if he can tell the truth and get away with it, it's just that much more fun for him. 
<laughs> I think um, one of the cool things is that there's a lot more political intrigue with this episode, too, is that you've got the the reporter that tries to come and do a piece on the wife, even though she's technically not a reporter, I guess. Um, but even if she is a reporter, she's got all this background information that she went and searched Seems like a journalist to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely a, a Sarah Jane type. Um, but I, I yeah. was, it was kind that's, I think that scene was one that put me on the edge of my seat throughout the whole thing. So I'm like just saying, thinking to myself, when is Harold going to come into the room? Because they know he's going to. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great to include her there. I, I thought there was a lot of great, you know, kind of political... Um, you know, intrigue thoughts, you know, that this really has spurred on. Um, I loved when they were just kind of talking about, like, the doctor was challenging uh, Martha on, like, oh, what, what do you like about Saxon? Like, his policy. Like, oh, what are you thinking? Well, he was just kind of a good guy, and I like the way he sounds. I, I feel like that's often the way, you know, uh, we feel or um, a lot of people make kind of voting and decisions based on. Or It seems to I, be. I, I did not think of that at all. Things. I did not think of that at all. I thought they were, like, Initially being like hypnotized to think that. Well, I think that that was the point, but I think that like Colin's right. Yeah, I think it's like a reality, little bit of commentary on you know the yeah, voting system, how are. how ads yeah. are done, you know the limited amount of debates you can really get into. Like it, it seems like the focus is not as much on policy as it is on you know that's he, he seems Listen, like a good guy. You know he, yeah. he's saying nice things. Or, you know, if you're an American, he seems like a guy who will accept mastery over another. <laughs> Man, what would you guys think about that president there? Oof. What, what, a, that was what a guy. America. Yeah, I was, was just like, America. Ooh. What was his name? President Winters? Yeah, for, yeah yes. President Winters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, is, is he supposed to, like, represent a higher power or just America? Because he seemed like he was with UNIT more often. Uh, well, with, yeah, the, with the UN like, specifically. Um, he, he he said he was, you know, representing America and was the sele- selected representative of the UN. It sounds like he was endorsed by the world or at least, you know, whatever best world coalition there had been at this uh, part of the universe. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I remember when he was like, I'll take the role of master, and uh, if that shall be. <laughs> um, I think that was a pretty comedic moment, but it kind of shows how the master just then started to take over, because um, the doctor was expecting that he was going to hide in his shroud for a little bit, because he set up this whole big thing to hypnotize everyone, then just blows it out of the park by revealing to the entire world, and it just messed up his plans. That he was setting up for like a month or so. Because <laughs> the master's crazy. <laughs> he's fun. Well, it's because the master is smart. Is that how that happens? Sure, right. That's like fun. he was building up. He's planning for eighteen months. You know, for that moment too. It sounds like it, as soon as he got into that room, he already had control. Well, the it, other thing too is he was saying is to that... his pseudo wife, which I feel like we, we need to get to talk about their relationship. There's a I think something missing there. At, at yeah, point. like I'm curious as to like what happened, like. Did the master start actually dating her, and then she just fall for him, and he'd be like, "Listen, I'm the master, and I'm gonna like mess up your world, literally." Well, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I picture it more of like she walked in and saw him doing something extraterrestrial, and then you know that's how they met, and she was impressed by how powerful he was, or something. Okay, well, that makes did, a lot more sense. She I don't know did where I got say like he was so nice to my father, you know, and that, and that seemed well. Honest, she but, said he was good. To her father, 
so potentially provided right. money for his health care. There's some sort of big favor, you know, that really helped turn her life around. But it also seems like she's endorsing and might know about this end of the world and is and is excited about it. Yep. Which He's is like just like her something like she's on board. Yeah. Right. We're like her motivations everything. are mysterious. And also, I, I you know, I, I feel like the master's potential love or kinship with her is a little suspect too well as the reporter i I don't really put that on the master in my you know background conceptions of him i mean as the reporter kind of rudely put it you know lucy's not very bright um so you know it's maybe some of that or you know the master is known to hypnotize there could be some hypnosis kind of going on but for whatever reason she seems very vague and like when she was having that conversation she seemed to kind of lose the thread of what was happening throughout it which you know i think lends itself more to hypnosis than not being smart the master's known for his hypnotic abilities and in the past and the past he can he's been known to manipulate multiple people at once yeah well and here he took over the cell phone network and yeah he took he took over the entire um satellite system and was actually able to type into that so he was able to kind of hypnotize everyone hypnotize mostly everybody to liking him or at least getting on board with him and that made that was i was born on with him that's actually kind of a realistic plot line i thought that was a really well thought out thing to to bring up it was it made a lot of sense and you know yeah because if you had that sort of power and you decided to use it in that way i could see that definitely working but i think i think lucy saxon is both hypnotized and possibly slightly enamored with the master because and the, the power, and the power that yeah the power that he has I think gives her that slight and maybe she's a bit of a nihilist maybe she's just like nothing matters no. master you know I, I like him I'll follow him or she also too. knows what the master's capable of so if she doesn't play along she, she should also seem like she's afraid though she yeah well she, she doesn't, doesn't ever like act traumatized she, she, she doesn't she doesn't so. act afraid at any point during this it's true you know she acts a little out of sorts a little bewildered maybe but not frightened gotcha. well, what i think is um because she grew up in like a normal neighborhood good family not too smart i think it's because she was perhaps not at her best self and she thought she saw through mass the master Maybe she could become something of herself. Mm, yeah, like, that could be. Because what was she before she was with the master? She was just a normal, everyday person. Just like with all the other companions with the doctor. And now she is upgraded. <laughs> it was also kind of cool to see uh, like Sharon Osbourne and Anne Wildecombe. Those two are celebrities. Well, Anne's the celebrity in, in Britain mostly, but Sharon's known everywhere. Um, and having like real world people come in to actually be a part of the newscasting that was going on. I thought that was kind of cool. And showing it from different newscasters. I mean, you've got American and Mm -hmm. British there. Well, speaking of that, we see that same one. Well, we see that one newscaster, the American, um, black woman who's cast and she shows up actually in Doctor Who every time, well, in New Who, every time there's, like, a major worldwide crisis, you can tell, because she pops up on the screen and is like, this is happening. <laughs> and and then, like, they'll show other newscasters, but when she shows up, you know that, like, it's gotten real. I might have mentioned this, but she, the actress actually came back as that same newscaster from the audio stories. Oh, really? She has a whole story, yeah. Oh, that's uh, it was cool. For, it was for uh, Captain Jack's Torchwood, uh, I think. Oh, nice. Or the Adventures of Captain Jack. 
But she was there in, in all her glory, and she had a very long role. She didn't think that her, her – she even was interviewed and was like, I didn't think my part was actually going to turn into all this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, she probably just signed up just to be a generic newscaster. Pretty much, yeah. It's so interesting to think about the master's, like, partner being, like, the master's companion and all this. Yeah. Like, a mas- imagine, like, a master Doctor Who where he's, like – doing his crazy stuff and like he's against the doctor like imagine doctor who just switched hmm. yeah if the doctor decided to be good missy even not master? even good just bad I'm like good. i don't know it's interesting like imagine the doctor like, is a villain the master is a hero yeah like, more of them just like watching a tv show where the master is just like Bleh. and then the doctor's just there like a master centered tv show well, yeah, like I'm, a Doctor versus TV show. I'd watch that spinoff. Yeah, I'd watch that. We kind of have that here, though, because the Doctor's on TV as yeah. public enemy number one with Captain Jack and Martha as two and three. This was literally so, a Doctor Who episode for the Master. So this was... Master Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I I like... I like the direction. I like I like the setup for what's to come because there's so many questions that one would have after this kind of an episode. Right. For instance, what, what's Martha doing? She's clearly off on a mission. She's gone. She's She had to leave. Uh, well, we, as far as we know, all we know is that she's gone. Seems like the right move. <laughs> Get out of Dodge. <laughs> well, she had to because the only way she could do anything is to leave at this point. Right. She looked longingly at her family. Uh, and it was like this kind of moment like, I don't know if I should leave, but I kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Well, because she didn't want to leave them. She's she's already been traumatized by the fact that the master's taken them. So she's That's like... That's why I, I say I, she looks like she's on a mission, because she clearly didn't want to leave, but she did anyway. True. Well, possibly, yeah. That could be. And she still had that, um, that cloaking device the on key, her. The key, yeah. Uh, so maybe when she was just out in the middle, because I was expecting someone to go and like tackle her or like the master to just shoot, but apparently she just left without being noticed. Well, she does have the key around her still, so that's probably why. Plus, you know, there was a lot going on in that room. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Chaos. chaos. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we haven't even talked about the paradox machine. The, the master... You mean the TARDIS? The, yeah, the master turned the TARDIS into a paradox machine. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. that means. I, I didn't think you were supposed to do that. I thought that messed with the timey-wimey rules of existence. Well, that's probably obviously. Why he's like, oh, that's why he was, he was so upset. And Martha said the TARDIS looked sick, which actually I thought was interesting because most companions have real trouble getting the concept of the TARDIS being a living being because, you know, the doctor doesn't actually explain that to people. Um, and, you know, Martha just kind of intuitively picked that up, which I thought that was kind of cool. as like as a doctor recognized, hey, this is a sick being. Well, she is a medical student, so she probably, well, yeah. pr- she probably has that knowledge that the TARDIS is a living being. That's she, so sweet. It, it's like it's one of the, the rare occasions where we actually see, you know, Martha's skills outside of, of the doctor, like, coming out. And you're just like, that's right. She's an awesome person. Yeah. <laughs> she is an awesome person. All right. So, rating this episode, this very first part of a two-parter why don't we go to colin to start us off oh me little old me all right well you know what they say the first is the best so i will go as number one 
All right. <laughs> I, I enjoyed this episode. I think everybody would objectively say this is a better than average Doctor Who episode. I mean, we're in New Who. We're bringing the doc, the, the master back and really in, in full force here. And we get to see uh, uh, his side of personality. We get some humor in the mix in here. We get some very serious moments. Um, we get a new interesting enemy in Monster of the Week. Um, but honestly, this is just a, a great setup episode. You can see this is coming to a grand conclusion, I think, um, in the next one. Otherwise, you know, I think we'll all be disappointed. Um, but there's a lot to love here. I thought it was great pacing, sustained attention very easily throughout. Um, as Michael alluded to, I think there were some great screenshots and, and cinematic decisions and a good soundtrack to back it up as well. Um, this is a great episode that I think is going to leave us lingering for more. I mean, I, I'm salivating for the next one personally. Um, for me, this is this is going to be one of those setup episodes that I actually love, and I love it as a standalone too. Um, I'm going to grant this a 9 out of 10. Jeremy, what's your opinion? My opinion? So I was thinking that, yeah, I totally agree. It's... Um, Definitely one of my favorites, but more in the aspect as a child, it really kind of scared me because it was pretty realistic in most of uh, what it could be. If someone in power was just acting to be this like uh, sweet, innocent person, then just turned on the world, launched all the nukes, um, I was just wondering because that could potentially very much happen in... He seems like an intimidating intimidating character, but more of a manacle uh, character as well, which is um, deafeningly scary as a child. Now, as I watch it, a little less of the scariness is gone, but more so uh, a lot of the funniness kind of resonates. So I think it was a good character reflection moment on the master himself definitely a master episode and but also on martha jones more so it's martha jones and the master's video well episode all the rest of them are the doctors and um yeah i can't wait for the next episode i'd have to read this uh Zero out of ten. No, a nine point five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds more fair. Yeah. So I love this episode. I love that we actually got to like get a window into like the master's world and kind of see him pulling all the strings and like just being the doctor for an entire episode. I've never experienced that in any like master versus doctor episode before, where it was literally just kind of like him. Kind of like that episode where it was just like there were those like. Doctor Who, like, fanboys, and then there was that big green You have a different protagonist. Yeah, it's, like, the same thing. I thought it was really cool. Um, I also like their cattiness. I loved how they were so Tom and Jerry together. I also loved, like, the dark implications as far as politics goes. Like, say what you want. As long as they think you're nice, like, you can do whatever you want and get away with whatever you want. I think that's just terrifying. And it was the best way and the smartest way the Doctor could... I mean, the master could, like, really, like, just screw up the world, just going through our own political system. But anyways, before I get too dark, um, yeah, I'm going to give this probably a 9 out of 10. All right. I thought this was a great episode. I think that um, 
Yeah, I, I loved just the it being a character episode on the Master and the Master and the Doctor's relationship. Super fascinating and just like edge of my seat type of things. And then we see Martha with like finally, you know, hitting her breaking point, losing her cool because her family's in danger and just really, you know, pulling it out and actually being like truly awesome and forceful throughout this whole thing. And, um, and then the plot was great. There really weren't, you know, flaws in it, although it's hard with a, you know, with a, I guess, three-parter. When we're not at the end yet, they haven't had to tie everything up. So, but um, given what it is, I mean, it all is uh, working really well. And yeah, it's frightening because it's so, so close to truth. I'm actually going to give this one the A10. Mm, wow. Well, Okay. Well, that leaves me, I guess. Um, the sound and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The sound of drums is the is the perfect uh, Sherlock Holmes Moriarty kind of story motif, and it's when Moriarty gets more of the the show. Not only does the master get all of the show here, but he also almost basically wins this episode, which is kind of unusual for the master. We're always used to a master failing miserably at the end. But in this but case... But it's not the end. Well, but it's the end of this particular episode. And so we've gotten through an entire episode where the master wins constantly. And that's kind of... Inter- that's a complete reversal of what we're used to. Um, with that, the stakes are so high and very dire. I mean, we, one thing we forgot to mention was the fact that the doctor's now aged... Quite a bit in his incarnation. I mean, does this mean regeneration's coming up? Obviously, there's another season after this, but hey. The idea, though, that at the time when you first see this story is, good grief, how are they going to get out of this one? Which is exactly what you want in a cliffhanger. Not only are we trying to resolve a cliffhanger from last week, we're setting up a whole other cliffhanger in this one. Which could be very annoying for some people. But in this case... I think from beginning to end, there's enough action, there's enough intrigue, there's enough dialogue that that you're interested in, and you're interested in all the characters and what's going on with them. There's not really a moment to stop and, and think, oh my God, this is terrible. This episode is almost almost exactly what is perfection. I don't think there really is anything better um, in terms of, of setting things up as, as well as it had. I think, I think now it's starting to look a little more dated with, especially with the celebrities that were coming in and the fact that it's now what, uh, 12, 15 years old now. So it's not exactly, um, a spring chicken or anything, but it, it does have the quintessential doctor who story. It's, it's a great homage to the past. I'm going to give this a, 9.75 out of oh, 10. Michael, why do you have to be wow, Michael. I, I didn't know you were a quarter pointer. I, I thought you were like against these sort of things. I never said anything. I just was like, hey, you know what? We, we just rated it. We just rated an episode from the 70s, and you're complaining that this one's dated? <laughs> good point, good point. This is at least in this millennium. <laughs> yeah, well, the graphics for the time was phenomenal, especially the shot with... Um, when they're all coming down to Earth. Really yeah, that. that was cool. Yeah, the, they did a very good job with these graphics. I'll give it that. Because yeah. they knew it was a banging episode. I liked all the satellite zoomies, too. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty nice. I, I, I don't know. I just I had to give it just 
0.25 lower than 10. Yeah, none of you said anything bad about it. I went a whole point down. I went a whole point down. You know, uh, because I I do have a bias towards setup episodes. You know, it's not a complete story. Yeah. Um, And without, you know, taking the bias of the end into account, you know, there's there's something lingering. So I, I don't think you can... You can truly go all the way unless there's really something really extraordinary and spectacular more than what was already stated. That's that's where I'm coming from. But I understand, you know, how this is probably one of the best, you know, setup episodes I think I've experienced. I, I can't think of a better Extremist. better option. Um, At least not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that'll get too timey wimey on us. Extremists. <laughs> No, uh, I'm thinking of what we haven't rated yet. But at any rate, well, thank you all for listening, and thank you for my son Jeremy for joining us on this lovely podcast. And we hope you all have a wonderful brand new year, which is coming up just in a couple days. And uh, we'll all see you next year. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be reading a whole new Doctor Who episode. We'll be hopefully doing a whole lot of new episodes. Well, yeah, but I mean, soon. I know, yes. (laughs) Well, well, the next one we'll be doing, of course, is Revolution of the Daleks. All right, talk to you guys then. Bye. 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 Bye.